This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 342, recorded Thursday, October 26th, 2017. Jason, I'm glad you started because I'd completely forgotten that you start our feedback shows. It's been so long since we've done one. <laughs> it has been far, far <laughs> too long. It's been a while, but uh, I, it's it's good to be here. It's you know good to be back doing the feedback show. It's uh, super fun because this is where we get to include all of the, the emails and calls from the listeners, which is really great. And uh, everybody always has interesting theories and points and information to pass our way, and I really enjoy it. And corrections. Don't forget corrections. Oh, sorry. We we can't forget about the corrections. <laughs> there are usually so many of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, I am in Atlanta, Georgia. It is Walker Stalker Con Atlanta this weekend. So I'm coming to you from the south, which is great. We arrived here earlier this afternoon. And the funny part is it's the same temperature here as it is in Toronto this morning oh, when wow. we left. Nice. So, well, you, you know, you don't want to be uh, going to climate shock. No, I guess not. I mean, you don't you don't want to be cold, but I did expect it to be a little bit warmer, but that's not the case. No. So what are you going to do? But it is going to be a fun time. I got lots of panels to do. Um, so if you're around, drop by, say hi to me. If you see me on stage, you know, I'm doing a big one with Chandler Riggs and Caitlin Nacon on Saturday. That's going to be great. Uh, and a whole bunch of others throughout the weekend. So it'll be really fun. Um, I am sad, jealous. And enraged that I am not there with you to enjoy uh, Walker StalkerCon. Well, dude, you you can come any time. There's there's yep. a, there's always next year. There is always next year. That's what they keep saying. And if they ever do a Toronto one, man, you and I will be heavily involved in that one. I predict. I hope they do. They got to come to this to, to Toronto at some point. Well, you should talk them into it. Just I'm, simply talk them into it. You're there. I, you know, have a you know heart to heart. And, uh, you know, buy a weapon if you, uh, if you don't have one handy and, uh, use it to cajole. I don't think I should do that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I really should because there's a lot of people in Toronto. You could get tons of people out. Look at this. I just looked up the population of Atlanta in 2016. It wasn't even half a million people. And right. dude, in, in the G, in the greater Toronto area, there's like 6 million people. So yeah. there's plenty of folks that would come out to a Walker Stalker con in Toronto. Anyways, I'll talk them into it. I'll see what I can do because that way you have no excuse for not coming. Yeah, that's true. I would have zero excuse. Zero. Uh, okay. Well, anyways, it's going to be a good time. Um, if you're here, I hope you enjoy it as well. And, and I hope I get to meet some of you. Uh, just a quick reminder that it, you know, in a few days from now, as we record, we will be starting the Talking Dead November charity drive. If you use our Amazon links for the month of November, all the money generated will be going to the Canadian Cancer Society uh, just as a way to give back a little bit. So make sure you visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on Amazon, and then select the country of your choice. When you do your, your shopping at Amazon, your holiday shopping or whatever else, whatever else it might be, it doesn't cost you a thing anything extra, but a tiny cut comes to us. And normally it goes to help, you know, with the costs of hosting and putting on the podcast. But for November, we're going to give it all away, give it all back to the Canadian Cancer Society and support some cancer research. So uh, make sure you do that. And uh, like I said the other night, if you're not a, an Amazon person, that's fine, but you really want to um, contribute in some way, just send me a quick email and we will work something out. But for the rest of you, use our Amazon links and you know you're going to be helping a good cause. Awesome. All right, Jason, we are going to get into the feedback from our listeners, but I wanted to talk about the ratings a little bit for the season premiere of season eight. So I'm just going to get right in, I guess, and tell everyone that the season eight episode one ratings were, or the millions of viewers came in at 11.44 million, which is down a little bit. And down from what though? Well, you know, I, I was going to say possibly concerning, but in reality, it's still an enormous number of people. And I think I've said these sorts of things before, still one of the highest rated show on TV. Um, 11.44 million is actually pretty close to what the season seven finale was. 
they had uh, that episode had 11.31 million. But when you compare season eight premiere to the season seven premiere, there is a massive difference because the season season seven premiere had 17.03 million viewers. Right now, I find these numbers a little concerning, and I, I'll, I'll I'll show my work here. Uh, the first thing that I find concerning is that I think there, there's a drop between the season seven um, premiere and the season seven finale from 17 million to 11.3 million. Uh, so that drop, I think, uh, is due to the dark nature of last season. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of those viewers are going to come back if this season isn't as dark. And it doesn't look like it's going to be as dark. At least the premiere wasn't as dark as uh, as season seven, uh, the season seven premiere. So I find it concerning that we do have that drop. The second thing that I find concerning is that if they look at just the two premieres, season seven and season eight, and they go, okay, season seven, we had 17 million people and we had Negan beat two people to death. Uh, I don't want them to consider that a good thing. They should repeat. That's so, uh, I I don't think it's like, well, we got to start beating people to death again with a baseball bat in order to get viewers back. Right. No, I don't think that's the right lesson to learn here. And so that's the second reason I find this a little concerning. I, I think you make an interesting point there. I do hope they take the, I do hope they learn the right lesson from this. And it's not that it was watched by so many people because we had Negan beat a couple people to death. It was watched by so many people, well, maybe because of the anticipation from the cliffhanger that we all hated so much. Uh, but maybe it worked, you know, maybe that cliffhanger at the end of season six really drew the people back in to the beginning of season seven. And then when they saw the content of that, that turned people off again. So as the season went on, it dropped down to the, the end where they had 11.3. And then, and I guess they haven't really returned in a great, in great numbers for the beginning of season eight, but I think maybe if some word of mouth gets around with season eight being much more upbeat, a little bit more positive, you know, the team is back together. Maybe as season eight goes on, those numbers will creep up instead of creeping down like it did last year. Yeah. Right. That's, I guess that's what we can hope for. Um, But you're right. I hope they don't think, well, we brutally murdered a couple of favorite characters last year and look how many people watched and then we show them like (laughs) having a good time and fighting back and less people tuned in i don't want them to think that's what they need to do no and i don't think that they're i hope that they're not dumb enough to think that uh, let's kill off a popular character every single episode because that'll bring him in in droves no it it might work in the short term but it's not a long-term uh method of going about keeping viewers right so that's like burning down your house every week for the insurance money. I mean, it might work once, but you know, eventually they're going to catch on. Jason is not giving you advice. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying don't do that. Right. <laughs> Even though it might work once, it probably won't. <laughs> yeah. No, no, the insurance people are very smart, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a fluke and you might get a windfall, but uh, you do it often enough. People are going to be like, what? That's just crazy. That's not right. <laughs> On top of this, though, uh, I saw an article on Fox News, which is not a news site I read very often, but a listener sent it in, and they are reporting that piracy, so illegal downloading of the season eight premiere, was also down by 42% as compared to season seven. Wow. So How do they know that? Well, they, they quote a um, uh, some other site that tracks pirate, pirate activity, I guess. <laughs> well, that seems... <laughs> Yeah, it seems sketchy. Fair enough. It may be a little bit sketchy, but based on the metrics that they have, season eight or piracy on the season eight premiere was down by 42%. Now, the article does acknowledge that you would think this is a good thing because less people are illegally downloading the episode, but they also claim that it is kind of an indication of the dropping viewership. Basically, they're saying that not as many people are interested in watching The Walking Dead anymore. And that's showing in the actual ratings from TV viewing and the illegal downloading ratings, if you can call them that. So overall, it seems like less people have tuned in. But 
as we said, let's hope that uh, word gets around that the show has taken a turn for the positive and more people will tune in as the season goes on. Yeah, I can tell you that I didn't pirate the uh, the premiere. Well, that's good. Did, did you pirate it? No, I did not either. I bought it on iTunes. I bought the whole season. Yes, yes, I've bought, I have purchased every season on iTunes. I've watched much of it on AMC and uh, I've bought a lot of the DVDs, at least in the early seasons when they were releasing them. So right. uh, they still are, but I haven't bought them in the last few years because I have it on iTunes anyways. So yeah. Why would you buy a physical copy of the DVD when you have uh, the, the, the iTunes download that you can just watch as many times as you want? Well, yeah. And I, I never bought into Blu-ray. So, you know, with the quality of Blu-ray, I might consider it, but I don't have a Blu-ray player. So there's no reason to do that. And I'm not going to go back to dvd quality at this point it burns my eyes it looks so terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah you might pull out one of your old vhs tapes oh good lord i don't even know if i could make out what was on the screen at vhs quality yeah so all right let's get into our feedback from listeners jason sure listener feedback all right our first email is from mark in connecticut and mark writes the season eight premiere is possibly the best episode yet in my opinion Definitely in my top three anyways. I started losing interest after the Glenn slash Abe deaths. That was too much shock for me. But the premiere had everything I want to see in a Walking Dead episode. I hope the rest of the season is as good. So that's a pretty great uh, endorsement. You know, someone there. Here's someone who who, you know, wasn't thrilled at all with seasons the way season seven started but is totally back on board in season eight so if this Good. happens a little bit more you know we could be for some ratings increase now mark also asked in his email if we have a favorite episode and i'm just kind of springing this on you jason i don't know sure. if you or even i can answer this question right now without a little bit of more thought put into it and you know a favorite episode could be a whole segment in itself that we do at some point maybe when the, when the whole show is finished or maybe not. But if I did ask you right now, if you had a favorite episode, would you have an answer? Uh, I would actually, Chris, because uh, my favorite episode of season eight so far is the premiere. <laughs> well, I can agree with you on that one. But what about the whole show? Oh, you're talking about the whole series. Okay. It's a little um, harder. It's a little harder. Uh... I can't really think of one. It's probably right near the end of season two. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking of when, uh, 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 not Rick, uh, what's his name? Shane killed Otis. You remember Otis? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Old Otis. And uh, he was slowing, slowing him down. That was a pretty good episode. Or when Shane uh, died, mm -hmm. that was a pretty good, and Glenn died. Uh, not Glenn. Um, Herschel. Herschel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I have fond memories of season two, uh, but I don't know. And, I, and I've said before that one of my favorite moments on the whole show is when Sophia came out of the barn. I thought that yep. was an amazing payoff to uh, that season. As for whole episode, though, I, I don't know. I mean, I always go back to the pilot because I think they did a stellar job in the first episode of season one. Um. But other than that, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I think there's some really good stuff in Alexandria even. You know, the episode where uh, Carl gets shot is great. Is that is that the same episode where they go outside and they have to fight off all the walkers and Daryl lights the, lights the lake on fire? That all happened in the same episode, right? I don't. I couldn't it's, tell you. I know. It's it's hard to say now thinking My back. problem is I don't go back and watch, rewatch. Like with uh, with Game of Thrones, I watched the entire run of Game of, Th Game of Thrones before the premiere of each season. So I've watched season one as many se as many times as there are seasons of Game of Thrones. I haven't rewatched a single episode of The Walking Dead uh, since... Uh, after watching it a couple of times to do the podcast. And that's on purpose. That's because I want to go back when the when this entire series is done and rewatch them and have uh, a fresh set of eyes on them. Right. And and so these kind of things like you're asking did that happen in the same episode um, uh they kind of run together in my uh my uh, inaccurate and uh, crappy memory. Mm -hmm. But um I do know that they happened around the same time. 
Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the same way. Like I haven't really gone back and watched much other than the pilot and maybe one or two other episodes uh, at all since since I do watch them each two or three times to record the podcast. So, um, and I'm in the same boat as you. When this is all said and done, I'd like to go back and rewatch the whole series. Uh, so so it is hard to say exactly what happened when when you think about you know five years ago kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I have a feeling that a lot of that stuff, that, that fight in Alexandria happened in the same episode. And I really enjoyed that one. Um, and going back, you know, season two had some good stuff and the pilot had, was, was really fantastic. So, um, you know, uh, Mark, maybe we'll have a better answer for you on terms of favorite episode when this is all said and done and we can watch all 14 seasons again or whatever it is at that time. <laughs> 21 or seasons. 28. Yep. Yeah. 28 seasons and a trilogy of movies or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think the reason is uh, Game of Thrones, I watch them and I'm not, uh, I enjoy them, but I'm not as invested as I am in this show. Like uh, We watch the episode, two, like you say, two or three times and then we do a recap and then we talk about it and get listener feedback and read that. It's just, uh, we're so laser focused on the episode for uh, a week at a time that uh, it goes well beyond what I would invest in a single episode of Game of Thrones, even though I, I love that show. Right. Um, mostly. Uh, so that's why I, in order to uh, plan to watch the whole series again, uh, I want to have that perspective of distance. You'll be fresh. Yeah. Yeah, fresh set of eyes. All right. And we'll probably podcast about that too someday. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. All right, next we have an email from Carmen in Sydney, Australia. You guys were right. It was grown-up Addie Miller in season one in the season one throwback scene at the gas station. She posted on Twitter with a comparison photo. So Addie Miller, if you're interested, is at the Addie Miller on Twitter, and uh, Carmen is absolutely correct. We speculated that wouldn't it be great if that was the same actress uh, yep. from the pilot, speaking of, in last week's episode, season eight, episode one. And we thought, nah, it probably isn't. You know, it was just a bit of a throwback, but they I'm sure they got someone else to do it. Well, guess what? They didn't. They had Addie Miller do it. She's eight years older now and awesome. uh, all grown up. And there she Isn't is. Isn't she eight at the time? Um, you know, I'm not totally sure, but she was around that age. Yeah, seven, eight, maybe. Cool. So she's twice her age now, almost, and... There she is in the episode again. So very, very she cool. a Walker Stalker Con? Because she was uh, when we were there, when I was there the, the first time. Yeah, she was. Um, she's not at it this year, I don't think. She's uh, moved on a little bit from, from Walker Stalker Con. But hey, now that she was in the episode, maybe she'll make an appearance again. I don't know. At another cool. one. Yeah. Uh, I remember meeting her back at the original one, just sort of saying hi and, and telling That's her why. how great a job she did getting shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Adia, I think, sorry if that's incorrect, from San the San Francisco Bay Area writes, maybe Adia, Adia, anyways, uh, writes, hi, Chris and Jason, I really enjoyed the season premiere. I thought we were going to see a lot of planning for the war, but they got straight to the action. You were right, and those panels on the cars were bullet shields, uh, weren't bullet shields, just shields from being seen. I was surprised Rick gave Negan's men a chance to surrender, and even more surprised one of Negan's men hesitated like he would like to surrender. What do you think uh, of that? And the one that was going to surrender is um, was Gavin. He was the one who spoke up for a second and said, hold on, everyone, maybe we should listen to these people. And of course, he got shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, but... I don't think there was any chance in hell that Negan was going to like let any of his people even consider the idea of surrendering. No, there was, there was no way. It would be a really crappy show if they, if they did. It's like, yeah, we surrender. Yeah. And then the show, then the whole season is over, right? Right. But I mean, what did Rick think was going to happen uh, ultimately? Like he walks up there and says, okay, listen, you guys can surrender. Like, did he really think they were, they were just going to be like, okay, I mean, we'll just, hand over our weapons and like, we're good now, you know, we're going to all live together and everything's fine. I, I guess Rick had to try something, but I don't feel like it ever had a chance in hell of, of working. No. And he you know, he might even agree with that statement, but you have to, you have to try, right? I suppose. I mean, try talking before killing it. It's talk first, shoot later. Right. Yeah. Shoot never would be awesome, but shoot later, you know, 
is okay. Shoot if you have to. <laughs> okay, I, I guess Talk, so. Try talking, shoot if you have to. You know, but bring guns. <laughs> regardless. Yeah, and and only get to seven before you start shooting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> started at ten. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, I heard that um, Andrew Lincoln did that scene a bunch of times, and apparently every single time he did that scene, he included the line "fuck it" before he started shooting. Right. But the one take where he didn't use that is the one they used. So. Um, knowing what we know now about using the F word on the show and how it's allowed, I wonder why they went with the non F word version. <sighs> Cause they used the word shit and pants too much at the end. <laughs> no. And they were worried so. about going over the line. I don't know. I think m- maybe they're saving it up for later. Like they're saving the F bombs. Oh yeah, right. You get one, like so many F bombs per season. Two apparently. Gotta, yeah. So they're, they're saving it. I guess they're saving it. Maybe the maybe so sad. Maybe the rule didn't come down from head office in time for this episode or something like that. So they they didn't know maybe. But it it would have to me. I must admit it would have seemed a little more natural for him to say ten nine eight seven ah fuck it and just start shooting right. That's, <laughs> yeah, that sounds that, that makes perfect sense. That that feels like something a person would say instead of ten I would nine say that. ten nine eight seven. And then just start firing. Bang, oh, bang, I would bang. get bored if I had to count down from 10 all the way to 10 in a tense situation where my adrenaline's pumping. 10. Oh, nine. <laughs> oh, that's what it would feel like. Right. Right? So, yeah, I would totally say fuck it and start shooting. Okay. Well, so. I wouldn't have start, I'm sorry. I was on mute there while I was coughing. I wouldn't have started at 10. I would have started at 3. Ah, right. You don't need to start right? at 10. It's a, it's a little extreme. A little high. It, it's pretty extreme. All right. <laughs> uh, next, we have an email from Naya in London. Sure. Or is it Nia? I don't know. Naya in London. Characters not taking a shot at Negan has been a criticism uh, since the first episode of season seven, but I never agreed with it until now. So she explains how it can be justified before now, and then she goes on. Uh, but here, there, there was no reason other than the story and dramatic effect, and that just frustrated the absolute heck out of me. They finally have Negan unobstructed, unarmed, surrounded by unarmed people, no reason not to shoot him. They don't, and they don't do it. I, it totally took me out of the action and made me focus on the writing, which I hate. They could have had him poking his head out of a really high up window or something. Even putting him behind a little fence would have made it more believable. And then Rick refusing to leave at the end because he's shooting Negan as if this is his chance. Uh, you had your chance, you silly prick. Why are you now suddenly determined? It makes zero sense. Yeah, so this was a huge criticism of the episode, right? That Negan's just standing there and and Rick doesn't try to actually shoot at him, or nobody does. Even though it kind of looks like it when Rick starts counting down and, and then starts firing, he looks like he's shooting you know, straight ahead, slightly up, which would be towards Negan. But, um, you know, it is something that a lot of people were frustrated by. And I can see the point and I agree a little bit, but I guess sometimes you just have to put the drama over the realism in a way uh, because they've had plenty of chances to shoot Negan and they don't seem to be able to ever do it. Because, you know, they need to tell the story. They need to drag it out, for lack of a better term. Um, And, you know, it bothers me a little bit, but unfortunately, I guess it just doesn't really bother me that much because it hasn't been super blatant. Like, it hasn't been to a point where, like, somebody is standing there unobstructed with a gun to his head and refused to pull the trigger. Or has it? Right. Like, have, have we had that scene? Not really, right? Not really. But it's been close, and I admit that it's been close, and they haven't done it. So um, I can see the point, but I also think, you know, we're in for some really great stuff coming up. And if Negan was dead now, we'd have to move on to something else, and who knows what that would be. Right. This just occurred to me. Did Negan have Lucille with him? Standing out there? It's a good question. I'm not sure. I Well, because nobody can... Nobody will have the uh, ability to shoot at Negan if uh, he's holding Lucille because she's the uh, uh, she's the sentient bat that has all the magical powers, right? Yeah, but I have a feeling he wasn't holding Lucille. 
Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. I have a feeling he wasn't. I'm not sure, though. I don't know if you have the tape in front of you, but check if you can. I'm going to read the next email. It comes from Ryan in Brisbane, Australia. And Ryan says, why didn't they take the shot at Negan when he first strolled out? My opinion is that they didn't do it due to the risk of hitting other people. Dwight is their inside man. And I also assume that Rick or Maggie are hopeful that Eugene is not fully with Negan. Later on, Rick did start firing, but it seemed to be, uh, it seemed to just be more a scare tactic so that Dwight or Eugene were able to run back inside. And this did occur to me too, that, you know, maybe Rick didn't want to risk killing Dwight, especially because Dwight seems to be helping them now and really a man on the inside. I don't think there's too much uh, love lost between Rick and Eugene anymore because Eugene really seems to have betrayed them, but at least... Uh, at least for Dwight, maybe they were worried about hitting Dwight and killing Dwight and losing their man on the inside advantage. Could it be? Uh, hold on one second. Uh, yeah, sorry. I just had to mute the, uh, <laughs> the big loud noise that was happening in the background here. Uh, no, there's definitely no love lost. And I think they've, uh, as a show, they've moved beyond the betrayal. They're just like, yeah, fine. He's Negan now. And, uh. They're not going to worry about it too much. So they don't care. They like if like if if Rick really wanted to start firing, he'd shoot and kill Eugene if he got in the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, they're they're beyond they're beyond that. Okay. F- yeah. Fix the problem, not the blame. And the problem is you're Negan, and if you're going to not surrender, you're going to not live. Right. Okay. So maybe it's, is it Dwight then? Is he does he not want to risk injuring Dwight, who uh, can be very helpful to their cause? I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they're just not, they're just not killing <laughs> Negan when they have the chance anyways. Yep. That's, uh, that's simply the fact. Okay. Uh, I'm almost at the scene here. Hold on a second while I see if we have <laughs> Jason jumped around. He has gone to the tape. He is carrying Lucille. He is. Okay. He is. So that's the whole reason they don't shoot Negan is that they can't because there's a spell on them put on them by Lucille. All right. He's protected by the bat. Yes. There's uh yeah, that's a very powerful bat and it's very, very evil mm. and sentient. Super evil. There's nothing this bat can't do. <laughs> it can do a little dance, make a little love and get down that night. It sure can. All right, next we have a call from Paul in Leicester, UK. Hi, guys. It's Paul in Leicester, UK. I was just um, thinking about your comments about Negan walking out into the balcony and everyone taking a shot. Negan did seem very calm, but I think he was just stalling for time because he knew that his uh, guys that went out in the cars and the bikes were going to return soon and possibly give them the advantage by uh, coming behind Rick and taking out a few of his men. Um you notice that Negan's demeanor changes once he realizes that they didn't come back. Um, after Morgan had uh, set that trap and blew up the the, uh, the cars and the bikes, Negan realized then that his advantage had gone. And it, you could see that he physically, his demeanor and his the way he was talking got more defensive. Um, so I think that's the only reason really why he was so happy to walk out onto the balcony practically defenseless um but obviously advantage to rick just a pity that no one did take the shot cheers guys great show speak to you soon bye thanks paul so you know that is something i hadn't really considered uh, is that negan had those guys out in the field and maybe he was expecting them to turn around and surprise nick from behind right because they'd show up from uh from the outside so that could have been part of it. Uh, it doesn't really explain why Negan just walked out there completely, no. you know, unprotected. But he may have thought, if I can, if I can survive this for a few minutes, I've got people coming back who is who are going to, you know, surprise Rick and everybody, and you know, that'll be that. They'll be they'll be toast. Yeah, I, I would think that he would start off by saying, "Whoa, let's talk about this," uh, instead of just walking out and going, you know, "Fuck you." I was in a meeting. Yeah, I was in a meeting being a complete asshole. You know, if he was, uh, you know, playing for time, he would uh, try and start a conversation rather than just uh, doing what he did. And Rick, uh, you know, leading the conversation. It would be Negan trying to lead the conversation. Yeah, that's right. Or or he would just hang back inside a little bit or something and, and give his guys time to get there. So 
which he didn't seem to do. Uh, all right, Chris in the UK writes in, and he's got a few different points on Negan here. Chris writes, Negan is a cocky son of a bitch, and his appearance on the balcony reminded me of the stories told about General Patton. He would refuse to take shelter because he thought it looked bad to his own troops. I don't think it's much of a stretch to think that pre-apocalypse, Negan was probably a big fan of the movie. <laughs> uh, so, you know, maybe it just comes down to him being a cocky bastard who, uh, who just truly doesn't, who just truly thinks he's invincible, you know? Well, yes. I mean, Patton was on a battlefield where he wasn't specifically targeted, nor was he, uh, 14 feet away from a cadre of armed gunmen sure uh aimed at him it was a tank battle in you know he was a tank commander in northern africa and uh there was like big huge battles going on and you just there wasn't you just didn't feel like uh you know if you hunkered down in the jeep it probably wouldn't help him anyway because there's bullets flying around everywhere if your number comes up your number's going to come up and uh, i am also a big fan of the movie okay Love that movie. You should watch that movie. It's I, really good. I should at some point, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, the the idea is that he's just so arrogant, he believes he can walk out there completely unprotected and be fine. And as it seems, you know, that's been the, the case so far. He's been in danger, but it doesn't seem to bother him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, I don't think I can be killed. It's the only explanation. That's right. That's the only explanation. So I'm just going to keep... <laughs> risking death like this uh, you're gonna watch the nice guys okay maybe i will someday chris goes on and writes rick isn't appealing to negan he's appealing to the lieutenants bearing in mind that they've already got one of them to join them he figures that enough if that if enough of the others do there might be a relatively peaceful way out of this war I think Rick understands that Negan's control over his people is imperfect and that there will be a lot of people on that side with very good reasons to hate the guy. So that kind of explains why Rick is standing there, you know, um, offering a deal or offering a surrender rather than just, you know, opening fire immediately, right? He's thinking right. these guys, they probably have a reason to hate this guy because he's not a very nice dude. And maybe if I just give them the option, they'll take it and come over to our side or at least, you know, work against Negan, which will help us. Yes, but you don't do that in front of Negan. Like that's a, that's yeah. a common tactic for turning, uh, uh, spies and secret agents is when you get into a, uh, a conflict, uh, between two undercover agents or two spies, uh, you know, one spy can easily say, Hey, uh, you know, come work for us and we'll make your life a whole lot better. And uh, everything will work out great. And it's a really good way to turn an agent or turn somebody onto your side is to offer them something uh, that they wouldn't have otherwise. Because a lot of people do have ideals, but, uh, you know, self-preservation takes, you know, trumps your uh, ideal of uh, what the world should be like uh, nine times out of ten. So, but you don't do that in front of the... Uh, you know, in front of the, uh, of the power. And like, he's not just, he's, he's very, uh, uh, char charismatic as well. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you do that in front of him. He still has power over these lieutenants. So that's not really going to work in this situation. If he was able to get them without Negan around, he could probably turn them all onto his side. Right. Right. It's never going to work though, standing there with Negan right there. They're too afraid if any, if nothing else to, to do anything. Yeah, afraid, enthralled, yeah. Uh, too much in love with Negan, or maybe the bat has control of them as well <laughs> when Negan's holding him. Maybe. It's the only explanation. <laughs> yeah. Well, along those lines, Chris finishes with, uh, would you really buy a scenario where this scene, or one of the earlier scenes when he could have been killed, plays out as Negan gets shot, and the rest of the saviors cheer, say to Rick, hey, we're cool now, and it's game over. The more likely immediate effect is chaotic and bloody, and if I were Rick, it would not be my first choice. The day might come, but he's got to try some stuff first. Yeah. So, there you go. That's what he's doing. I would agree with that. All right, next we have uh, an email from Mike in Des Moines, Iowa. I think a lot of people may have been baffled as to why the group was wasting buckets and buckets of ammo shooting at windows of Negan's compound. But, and I say but in all caps, 
After thinking about this after the show, isn't it likely that they were shooting out the windows to keep the saviors inside from coming to the windows five or six stories high to see the approaching horde of zombies? Uh, if they get to the windows and see thousands of eaters coming their way, uh, they would likely have escaped sooner. By shooting at the windows, the zombie attack was a surprise and chaos ensued. Okay, I can see that. They're shooting out the windows to keep them inside so they don't see the zombies coming. But it also occurred to me when Mike sent this email that maybe they're just shooting the windows so that it's no one can come to those windows and fire back. Because at such a high angle, shooting down at the people on the ground would be much easier because the protection of uh, that they have from the cars the armored cars wouldn't be as effective because of the angle so i think that height is always an advantage in a battle you always want the higher ground right so i think that makes some sense right there uh as well for sure uh our next email from tige or tige in wisconsin along the same lines uh says this rick and everyone shoot out the windows to add to the noise all the explosions Daryl's team was making was to draw that horde closer to the sanctuary. All the gunfire and shattering glass was adding to the noise. They couldn't kill Negan outright because the saviors would retaliate. But by getting all the walkers to go into the sanctuary and then blocking the exit with the RV, they hoped to trap and kill as many saviors as possible. This is a moment directly lifted from the comic book. So I think that makes a lot of sense too. You have... You, you're you just making the noise because that's the ultimate destination that you want all the walkers to go to. And if you're leading them there with fire and noise, then you want the most noise to be at the place you want them to end up. Yeah. Well, what they should do is go raid a music store for a sound system and hook that up and then uh, blare it at full blast and have, uh, you know, have a parade. Sure. Kind of like. And why, you know, why waste the, uh, the magical C4 that you seem to have acquired or the, uh, uh, this occurred to me as well. Didn't they find a bunch of dynamite struck, uh, tied to, um, metal ropes? What do you call those things? Wire? Cables? Cable? Yeah. Wires. <laughs> metal ropes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brain, brain don't work good today. That's okay. Um, so didn't they find a bunch of dynamite there? So I think that, uh, magically they have, uh all the dynamite they need. I assume that they keep finding those and that uh, they have an unlimited supply of dynamite. But why waste the dynamite when you can use a sound system that has like, uh, for, you know, that's loud enough to blare music in a, uh, a large concert hall. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, anyway. I mean, I guess you need, you need electricity for that, which they might not. What well, cars, have cars have electricity. You could figure that out. I guess. Yeah. Get, get a transformer and, you know, hook that shit up. I, 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 yeah, you're right, I suppose. But I think shooting out the windows and all the gunfire and the glass breaking and falling to the ground and then a, a giant RV explosion. I mean, that's going to be all pretty loud stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, sound system would work too, I okay, guess. Okay, maybe I'm just thinking, <laughs> you know, in Canada, it'd be harder to get a hold of all of this stuff, right? The, the firearms and the dynamite and all the bullets and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier to head over to our local Long and McQuaid, which is a music store here in Canada. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to rent a sound system, but all this stuff would be there. Uh, I'd write a little note saying I took this and I'll bring it back and uh, I'll pay you the rental fee when I get back. Because I love Long and McQuaid. They've treated me really well over the years. And I wouldn't want to just steal from them, even in the apocalypse. So I'd, you know, I'd leave an IOU. That's that's really kind of you, man. That's really kind of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would just use a sound system. Loud noises. That's all I need is loud noises. What do I need for loud noises? Speakers. Yeah, or guns and glass. That works Or too. guns and glass, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I have more access to speakers than I do have to guns and glass. All right, perfect. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, next we have an email from Andy, sunny but slightly chilly UK. Hmm. When Father Gabe found himself in a porta cabin like a porta potty where he's going to shit his pants. Uh, porta cabin uh, with Negan. Gabe was armed with an automatic weapon, wasn't he? But Negan just started talking and strolls towards him. Uh, again, just silly. If he'd snuck forward and bashed Gabe over the head, taken his weapon, then delivered his shitting pants lines, uh, I'd have had no problem with this scene. Uh, on the subject of Father Gabe, it made me chuckle how Chris on the episode recap, you said you liked how Rick Rick's plan went off without a, without a hitch, forgetting poor Father Gabe. No one gives a shit about him, not even us viewers. <laughs> LOL. 
Well, listen, I can admit that, you know, Father Gabe getting trapped in there, surrounded by zombies with Negan, is prob- was probably not part of the plan, to be fair. It might have been. I don't know. Yeah. You know, Gabe was probably, uh, you know, I'm going to save somebody, you know, if I can, right. and then uh, hang around if I, uh, if I can't. Yeah, well, I, I, I really don't think it was part of the plan, and, and you're right, fair enough, that's... Uh, not really going off without a hitch because their their man is stuck in there with their mortal enemy. That's a hitch, yeah. Um, Fair enough. But, you know, um, I, I still think overall the plan was pretty successful. <laughs> and Yes. And I, I wouldn't say it's not that I don't give a shit about Father Gabe. I think he was woefully misused in Season 7, but I think his part in this episode, in Season 8, the first one, was really good. And I think that applies to all the characters. You know, they did a great job using all the characters in this episode, including Father Gabe. And, you know, Father Gabe, I think, is going to have a bigger part in this season if he survives the next episode. Because after all, he is locked in a room. Up until he dies. Yeah, up until he dies. That's right. (laughs) And also, to... um, to just further to my to my my love for Father Gabe, one of the things I'm doing here at Walker Stalker Con is I'm taking part in a reading of an issue of the comic, and I get to play a character on stage. And guess what character I get to play? Uh, let me take three guesses. Okay. Father Gabe. That's the one. <laughs> I nice. get to deliver Father Gabriel's lines on stage on Saturday here at Walker Stalker Con. And I say lines uh, incorrectly because I really only have one line, but still I'm looking forward to doing it. So, uh, Hey, how many words? Um, uh, like f- I'm, I'm pretty sure actors count words as well as lines. Really? Seven words. I don't know. Seven words. I don't, I have no idea. (laughs) I had to count them in my head. So, uh, seven words and I'm looking forward to doing that. So I think Father Gabe is great and I look forward to his expanded role in season eight. Cool. All right. Jared in Traverse City, Michigan writes, while listening to you guys discuss the various Rick scenes, I came up with an idea for why Michonne looked like she hadn't aged in the old Rick scene. Perhaps the old Rick scene is that of a hopeful future, similar to the table scene that included Glenn and Abraham. I think Michonne hasn't aged because she died, which is what Red Eye Rick was crying about, and Rick is only remembering her as the last way he saw her. So a bunch of listeners sent in this theory, and I think it's an interesting one that, you know, this is actually more of a idealized future scene rather than a flash forward or or it's more like a daydream maybe and rick is old but michonne looks the same because that's what she that's how she looked when she was killed and uh maybe that's what red that is what red-eyed rick is crying over we don't know but i think it's a solid theory uh yeah no it's a it's a really good theory i think uh that i think the next email deals with that as well yep um, uh, so we'll read that, but first I wanted to say Traverse City is lovely. I used to, uh, play parades there with the pipe band I was in, uh, back in the, uh, late eighties. Uh, and I've had some really good times in Traverse City. I'm sure you have. Lovely town. <laughs> lovely town. All right. Next we have an email in, uh, from Daryl in Seattle. I apologize if this theory is already out there, but when I was watching the Rick scenes with him waking up and seeing future people, I imme- my immediate assumption is that this is some sort of afterlife, afterlife scene reminiscent of Lost. Lost. <laughs> Can't talk today either. My guess is that people are appearing at the age they were at death. So maybe Rick lives another long while, but Michonne passes pretty soon. Beyond that, uh, where he was uh, sleeping looking more uh, the... Sorry, beyond that, where he was sleeping, looking more the inside of a coffin during a funeral viewing. The pillow was sculpted around him. It was the middle of the day, and there were flowers and stuff all over. Did anyone else get this vibe? Yeah, okay, so it kind of did. I mean, the way he was just lying on his back there with a perfectly positioned pillow behind him, flowers, all that kind of stuff. What, you don't sleep that way? uh, No, not usually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know, it did seem like, you know, he was lying in a coffin maybe. So maybe Rick is dead. This is like an afterlife thing as, as Daryl was saying, that's sort of like the next step beyond, um, just Michonne is dead and he's remembering the, her the way she was. They're both dead and this is them sort of in the afterlife. So I don't know if I, I, I go that far, but anything's possible. 
at this time. And, uh, you know, I don't want to see Michonne dead. I don't want to see Rick dead, but it could happen. Yep. I just finished rewatching all of Lost and this didn't occur to me. That even though I just saw this, the whole season where they, uh, uh, they flash sideways to, uh, to this afterlife type thing. Yep. But, but you didn't make the connection between that and this Walking Dead stuff. Nope. Not at all. Huh. Okay. Well, it could be a thing. I, I don't know. It's not a thing. You don't think it's, so? I can't, I can't think that they would do that. Well. I mean, Lost did that, right? Yes. Yeah. And Lost is the kind of show I think that can get away with it. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, they had flash. You know, they had flashbacks, I'm going to spoil Lost, they had flashbacks, and then they had flash forwards, and like, that was a big, like, holy shit, that's a flash forward, and then they had this, what the hell, is this a flash sideways? Yeah. But it was still a flash forward, just variable forward. Just kind of sideways forward, so, I don't yeah. know, I, I think what I'm getting at is, we, we don't have enough information yet, we don't know what we're seeing here with Rick, old man Rick, uh, but it could be a, one of a lot of things, um... And we'll, we'll have to wait and find out. I don't think we're gonna have to wait that long though. From everything I'm hearing, we're going to get a lot more information about this, this season for sure. And possibly in the first half of this season. So huh. they're not going to drag us out too long on this one. Well, as uh, you're at Walker Stalker Con, uh, Andrew Lincoln is there, I assume. Yeah, he's here. Ask him. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. I'll see. What, just ask him. I'll see what he says. I mean, maybe, I mean, Nick Otero's here. I'll ask him. Maybe he'll know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Greg would know for sure. He would, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Next email comes from Michael in London. Michael writes, I absolutely loved this week's episode. It may have been due to how up and down last series was, but I thought this was a great opener. I do, however, have a couple of points that did slightly annoy me. The way that Daryl was being followed by the world's quickest walkers when he was on his bike got me. He was doing some serious speed and they were right behind him in each camera shot. It may have been an idea to show Daryl going slightly slower a couple of times to buy into the idea that they were following him more realistically. <laughs> he was just, he was driving in circles. He would speed ahead and then he's like, oh shit, I lost them. And he'd turn around and speed back and then zoom right by them just so that they would gnash out of them and he would, they would just miss and then he'd drive away again. And we just only got the shots where he was driving away quick. Well, because driving fast is looks cooler on film, right? Yes. Right? Well, you know, and it feels good. And it feels good. Right. You don't want to just drive slowly because that'd be boring as hell. What you do is you do, you do loops. There you go. Drive you know, fast. You just circle. Loop yeah. back. That's it. Um, I, I, that's the only explanation because yeah, he was, he was zooming around shooting those barrels and uh, uh, the zombies were always right there, but that's all right. Well, maybe they were speeding up and slowing down too. Right? <laughs> they, like they would speed up and they get closer and you have to drive away fast and then they would slow down. It's like, oh crap, now I got to slow down. So you can't trust zombies to go a consistent speed. No, variable, variable speed zombies, these ones. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, next we have a, an email from Christine in Northwest England. You guys mentioned the signal of light that Rick sees after he kills one of the Savior Scouts by the electricity pole and wondering if it was from the overpass. It was coming from the hill with the tree on it. There is something odd about that hill and tree. When the three leaders were giving their speeches, Rick kept looking over to that same hill and tree. In the scene with the red-eyed slash crying Rick, it looks as though he's up against a tree and later we see the stained glass hanging from the tree. Could this be the same hill and tree that he keeps looking toward? Could the stained glass have been the flash of light that Rick saw up by the tree? If so, are they planning, uh, if so, are they planning with the timelines as would that tree hold significance before the war started? Yeah. Are they playing with the timeline and why would playing, that tree right, hold significance? Um, so... I didn't pick up on the idea or the fact that Rick keeps looking over at the same hill and tree when they're doing their speech on the back of the truck. Um, so if that's a thing, then there's, there's something to what Christine is saying. I'm just not sure that's exactly what he was doing. I assumed that, you know, that was a signal from Team Terra wherever they were at that point saying like, yeah, we're good to go or we're good to meet up. Or at the very least, it was a signal from someone who was already at the staging area where all the trucks and the cars got to before they drove to the sanctuary. Yeah. Um, but if it meant something else and it was referenced elsewhere in the episode, I didn't really pick up on that. And so it 
could be could be anything. Um, and yeah, that we did see the stained glass there. Stained glass would reflect reflect light, uh, but then you know there has to be someone there sort of sending that signal. You would think, but I don't really know. So there could be more to this than than I you know we figured out from the episode. But any other thoughts on it? Uh, no. I mean, I I assumed it was a signal from uh, from Tara myself, but I guess it could be the the stained glass. I guess we'll find out in the the near future, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just not sure. Um, so I don't know. And and you're right. I mean, if that's the same tree where Rick is kneeling, crying or or crying, I don't know for sure that he's kneeling, but uh, doing something. And you know, it's all kind of out there right now. But I think it's an interesting idea that it does play a more important part and it wasn't necessarily part of the plan that they were executing at that moment. So uh, we'll have to find out. All right, Jennifer on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see Orange Backpack come full circle from being obtained after leaving a stranger to die by Walker in clear way back in season three to being used to help a stranger in season eight? It put a smile on my face. Beautiful. Was it the same? Was it the same orange backpack? Was it the same one? Fiddlesticks. I'm gonna check. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a backpack that Carl has, and he takes the food out of when he's at the gas station. Um, But was it the same orange backpack? I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm going to believe Jennifer and say that it was. And yep, I think that's a great sort of one of the other callbacks to a previous episode that this episode was actually full of. So yeah, that'd be great. Good stuff. It was. I'm gonna find out. You are, eh? Okay. Well, we'll just we'll yeah. just wait for you to find out. Seriously, this seems kind of weird. Because <laughs> I don't know where in the episode it is. I'm just kind of <laughs> stabbing around at it. All right. Randomly. Well, I think it's. I think I'm gonna go with Jennifer and say it's the same backpack and uh, good stuff. All right. Why don't you announce the next? Uh, oh yeah, right. Next okay, thing here. Go back to my show notes here. Hold on a second. All right. Next, we have a call from Chris in Michigan. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Chris from Michigan. I just wanted to talk about the flash forward sequence. Um, I'm kind of wrestling between two different thoughts on it, and it does get into a little bit of comic book spoilery territory or a lot. Uh, The one side is I'm kind of viewing it as a dream sequence because of the fuzziness around it, thinking along the lines of, yes, that may never actually happen. The other side of it that makes me think that it is a true flash forward, and again, this is where it gets comic book spoilery, is the cane. They made a great reference onto the cane and that Rick was having trouble walking. Uh, As uh, one of you guys know already, uh, that's because he shot the knee with an arrow in the comics by Dwight, which... You know, if it was a dream sequence, it's kind of weird that they, that Rick would, Rick or someone else would be picturing him with a cane because you think it'd be more idealistic. So I know this got a little spoilery, but I'm hoping that maybe this at least makes it in as a after credits uh, discussion. Uh, And I do want to say too, I know it's been a while, but I really did enjoy when you guys talked about the comics and when you're able to kind of catch up on where we're at at this point with the comics compared to the show. So, all right. Thanks. Uh, great episode overall. Have a good one. Okay. So what uh, Chris in Michigan is saying is that, and he gave his own spoiler warning, which why I didn't, which why I didn't say it up, up front, but uh, hopefully everyone is unspoiled. Uh, but what he's saying is that if that was a dream sequence, why would Rick be, walking with a limp or with a cane because if it was a dream sequence you think it would be a little more idealized and therefore he'd be perfectly healthy and everything would be fine so if it's not a dream sequence it must be real it must be really happening and that's something that we are actually going to get to on the show and it's like it's a real thing it's not like a dream or a flash forward or a daydream or a speculation or anything like that don't you take all your aches and pains and bullshit with you into your fantasies? Um, depends on the fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on the fantasy. So I don't think we can necessarily just, just dismiss that just because he had a cane. Yeah. I think maybe, uh, well, I don't, I don't, 
Yeah, it it kind of stands to reason that if it was a fantasy that, you know, he'd get up and walk. Right. Without the cane. If 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 it's a fantasy and Michonne is there, you know, in her perfect form, then why wouldn't Rick be there in his perfect form? And he's obviously not because he's injured. He's had some sort of injury where he needs a cane to walk. So, uh, I don't know. You know, some people have weird dreams. I know I have a friend of mine. I'm not going to name names, but, uh, in his dreams, he's not the hero. He's the sidekick (laughs) in his own damn dreams. (laughs) Well, you know, it's your dream reflects your, uh, feeling on your own life. So that's got to say something. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, we got one more call here. It's a short one from Christian in Spokane. Holy crap, Chris and Jason. Did you notice what Daryl and Dwight were using to instant message? They were using AIM. Oh, that's such a callback. <laughs> they were using AIM. And he included the drum hit. <laughs> the rim shot. <laughs> the rim shot. Oh, yeah. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, thank you. That brings me back. Thank you, Christian and Spokane. Are you a big AIM user back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to include that. It was funny using arrows to talk to each other or bolts, I should say. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in a great episode of The Walking Dead, despite some of the shortcomings people have pointed out, but I still really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the rest of season eight and seeing where it goes from here. Me too. Did you find the orange backpack? Is it the same one? I found the orange backpack. It is the same one. Really? One. All right. It is. It absolutely is the same backpack. I think the, the, the color correction on this particular episode is a little bit different than it has been previously, so it looks like it's a slightly different color, but the structure is the same. It's the same backpack. Maybe it's just faded. It's been some time. It's gotten well used. It's been out in the sun. Maybe the color is just faded. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of brownish. Okay. In this shot, it's kind of it's kind of browny orange. So it's either the lighting or the color correction that they're doing, but uh, it it it's definitely the same backpack. It's just a slightly different color than it has been. All right, that's good. That's good to know. I'm glad they're uh, reusing the same props, or at least you know they're using the the equipment they've had for this long. Yes, I've found it at uh, 40 minutes and 16 seconds into the episode, by the way. Perfect. (laughs) I'm sure everyone needed to know. All right. Thanks so much to everyone for writing, calling in once again. Uh, If you would like to contact us before we record next week, you can do so by sending email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. Um, a note about next week's podcast, though, since I am in Atlanta for Walker Stalker Con, I don't get back until Monday night, which is our normal recording day. So hopefully, Jason, it's okay with you if we record on Tuesday next week. Uh, Tuesday is Halloween, Chris. I, I know, but I have the okay on my end to go trick-or-treating and then come home and record a podcast. So I'll have to get the okay on my end. Find out about the okay on your end and uh, let's hope we can make that happen because I don't get home in time on Monday to record. And if we can't do it on Tuesday, it's going to mean Wednesday. And by then, just what's the point? Right. Okay. So I'll figure it out. So uh, let's make that happen. Well, at the very least, we could do it later on Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because Jasper's only like 13 months old. He's going to be asleep. Regardless of whether we take him trick-or-treating. Well, that's kind of what I... He's not going to stay up till 11, like like he did the other day. That's kind of what I was thinking, right? You're not really at trick-or-treating age yet, and I am okay to go trick-or-treating and then come home and do the podcast. So if we can make this happen, I think we should try. Super. Okay. Uh, But uh, just so everyone knows, uh, it'll be a little bit late next week just because I'm traveling home. So uh, keep an eye out for it, but we'll get it to you as soon as possible. And uh, like I said, in the meantime, contact us if you like. And please don't forget about our November charity drive. You know, it will be, um, it might be November 1st by the time you hear us again. So get ready, click on those links, do your shopping at uh, Amazon and contribute to the whole uh, Canadian Cancer Society thing we're doing for the month of November. So, all right. uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Stuffy Jason. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye.